Hi, all, and welcome back to Damon All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson calling in from beautiful New York City, the Big Apple. That's awesome. And I'm Tracy Dietz, and I am not totally alone in the studio today because Richard's here with me, but we definitely miss you. It's been, uh, it was a crazy weekend. I was at my daughter's dance competition. She was awesome. And I danced too. That was less awesome, but uh, we had a good time. We had a good time. <laughs> I, was, I was totally fangirling over you. When Tracy posted that video or somebody in Tracy's world posted that video, I was so excited because she's like a superstar. She can do like a, a spin split. I don't know what the fuck she calls that, but it is amazing. <laughs> it was a double pirouette into a straddle. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that we should do our listeners a service and post it on our Damn It All to Hell Facebook because it is special. <laughs> we can we can totally do that. We can totally do that. Also, I just want to follow up on one thing um, that I said last week. Um, I made the comment that uh, my life would be easy if I did not work. And I just want to clarify that I didn't mean that my life would be easy if I was a stay-at-home mom and I didn't have an, a, a, a paying job outside of the home. I just meant that it would be easier because being a stay-at-home mom is also really, really, really hard. So yes. I just wanted to clarify that. I listened back to the episode and I sounded like a total asshole. And <laughs> I, I just, that <laughs> to everybody that is, uh, is killing it at home, raising your kids, like it is hard as fuck. So... I apologize for it coming out that way. So just and, wanted to and, say that. Yeah. Also a follow-up from last week. I did look it up and you do have to be 35 to be the vice president of the United States as well. So right. sorry, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You got to wait a couple of years. Although we're going to talk a little bit more about her later in this episode. Um, so the other thing and that we started if you love last us. Really quickly, don't forget, give us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify review us and love us. Even sometimes we say dumb stuff. And remember, it's hard, to, it's hard to find out where you review. <laughs> got to go to the app. You got to go to the bottom of the Damn It All to Hell page where you see the little stars and you click there. Okay. So last week, I also listened back to last week's episode and it got me thinking about this idea of feminism and um, the idea of like, what does it mean and what has it meant over the years and who, who owns it? Does somebody own it? Is that bullshit that somebody owns it and somebody doesn't, somebody else doesn't own it? So I started to like, look up what, what women in our lives that we know have talked about feminism. Unfortunately for me, that search led me to bad corners of the internet. And if you have been a listener of Dame Adele for a while, you remember that we pretty um, comprehensively co covered the um, Senate race in Missouri last cycle, where Josh Hawley, who's the sitting senator, beat Claire McCaskill. And he had some shit. He tied up a mistress, blah, blah, blah. There was all sorts of stuff. But in that primary- No, that wasn't Hawley. Hawley didn't tie up his mistress. Oh, no. Who did that? was that? the other guy. Uh, that was the governor- Okay. Of, sorry. Yes. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yes. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Nope. Good. But in that primary running against Josh Hawley was a, was a super dick and it, what I think is of his anti-feminism. And, and he said on the record that, um, he said he, what he expected of his daughters in saying that he didn't want them to grow up into quote, career obsessed banshees who forego home life and children and the happiness of family to become nail-biting, manophobics, hell-bent feminist she-devils who shriek from the tops of a thousand tall buildings they think they could have leaped over in a single bound had men not suppressed them. 
I don't, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, that has to be one of the more ridiculous things that I've ever heard someone say. And I, listen, I understand how there are people that believe that family is more important than anything, right? Like that you take care of your family. It's more important to spend time with your family than going off and having a big job or a big career or whatever it is. And I believe that you should be able to do either of those things, right? Or both of them. Or both. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like you should be able to do, you should be able to make those choices. And so to me, I mean, feminism was really just about equality. Like we have the right to vote. Men have the right to vote. We have the right to work. Men have the right to work. We have equal pay. I mean, all all of that for equal pay for equal work. Not that I want to get into an equal pay argument, but I think that's, I don't want to say that the left has sort of hijacked the word feminism because I don't know that it's all just the left. I think some people have, it, it has become a negative term. And I don't know if it's because of the things that certain women are asking for and that they're asking for more than equality. And the fact is, is we are not, men and women are not the same. So we can talk about being equal, but biologically we are not the same. So when you get into things like health insurance, it is going to cost more to cover a woman because women can have babies. It may cost men more because they're just less healthy than women in general. <laughs> so, I mean, there's all these nuances, right? But the bottom line, like to me, the great thing is women having the choices to do the things that they want to be or do, whether that is their career, um, you know, I don't want to get into reproductive rights, but, you know, whether they want to use birth control or whether they don't. I mean, having choices to do the things that you want to do and yeah. there be no repercussions for it. Right. So and I don't mean you can just go be wild and do whatever you want and go nuts and expect there not to be consequences if you do things that aren't okay. Anyway, I'm getting way off topic, but. No, no, no. But I thought, so actually when I listened back to the episode last week, I thought to myself that. I could have done a better job at listening, internalizing, and responding more appropriately to my dear friend, Tracy Dietz, who <laughs> called me out a bunch of times in a way that at, in the moment I was too heated. So my instinct was to counter, but I should have been more thoughtful about it. And so that led me into this idea of talking about how Republican women that people know have talked about feminism. So I, I tried to figure out what they were saying. It started with Megan McCain. She's super visible, obviously. She is has a daily appearance on The View in which she is the most outspoken conservative on that panel. She also is in essentially a public back and forth with the president who picks on her father, who was re- recently, you know, she just has put herself into the spotlight in a way that sometimes can be maddening to me, but I have to appreciate from a woman who is also putting herself in the spotlight. So Megan McCain said on The View, uh, I think it was International Women's Day when they were talking about feminism. And, and for any listener who is interested in this, you should go back. It's on YouTube. It's a really interesting segment. But Megan McCain says, quote, we've talked about this many times on the show. People don't like this, but I don't consider myself a feminist. And it's a really inconvenient, difficult place for a conservative pro-life woman. It feels very exclusive. The Women's March in particular felt very exclusive. I want to celebrate all women. So that means if you're talking about Kamala Harris and Kirsten Gillibrand, I would also like Condoleezza Rice and Mia Love and conservative women and Carly Fiorina to be included in that. And it seems to be the place where a lot of pro-choice women don't like having pro-life women 
who don't like abortion rights and a number are the number one issue. And you know what? I, I basically agree with her, but as a progressive woman, it's a pretty hard, it's a pretty bitter pill to swallow. But if I'm parsing out my sort of lifelong, um, urge and, um, and priority to think about feminism in its most basic state, which is equal opportunity for men and women, then all those like independent sort of subtexts should go away. And that's sort of what got me thinking in our last episode, Trace, that some of the sort of particulars, that, that those can be for a different conversation. But if we're celebrating women in big positions, we're celebrating women in big positions regardless of their ideology. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right, right. So so this is interesting. So Megan McCain led me to Laura Bush. And um, it was an article in 2003. So what feels like a very long time ago. And Laura Bush on Mother's Day in 2003 declared that she was a feminist. Um, and she declared it on a polit- on one of the political morning shows, citing her efforts to promote women's education and rights in the Middle East. And then equally surprisingly, that like Rush Limbaugh started screeching about feminazis at this, which he, this was like his gag at the same time that Laura Bush did that. And then, and the, so all these conservative women got to say like, but Rush, Laura Bush is a feminist, right? She, well, she so said she was. Rush Limbaugh is a bit of a shock jock. Right. He's a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> like, like, he's like Howard Stern, for sure. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And Don um, but but it's it talked about this sort of big tent feminism, like where everybody's welcome, right? That there's this like really macro idea idea about gender equality and that these other things should sort of fall away. And then it was and then it was brought back up in 2018 when all these women whose, by the way, ideologies are completely opposite of mine, like Jenna ha- um, Gina Haspel who was CIA leader for the for the first woman ever in that position and then a woman was um was hired to be the executive at Fox News that was the first woman in, in that in that job so there was like all these moments of women breaking ceilings for which I poo-pooed because I don't agree with them on like 98% of the things but the fact that they're sort of ambitious women it, it has made me sort of rethink where what fights am I picking and why am I picking them Wow, I don't even like know what to say. I I mean, this is awesome. <laughs> I feel so good. It is so now reading sort of what you were talking about with uh, being pro life or pro choice. It does seem that a big part of the feminist movement is sort of completely consumed and surrounded by that. And so, if you yes. are not pro choice, then you are not pro woman. And I don't think that that's true. You know, right. I mean, I think that there are a lot of pro-life women out there that have, you know, religious values and they believe it's wrong. And do I think that every pro-life woman that gets elected on the Republican side is going to try to pass legislation that just passed in Georgia? No, I don't actually think I don't actually think that they will. It's you know, it's I was talking to a friend of mine and and she is launching a pack that is going to be supporting women. Um on the state and local level, Republican women, and it will be all Republican women. It won't be like Emily's list where you're, it's only pro-choice Democratic women, right? So like Emily's list will not support pro-life Democratic women, only pro-choice Democratic women. And this will support Correct. all women. 
if you are a Republican, it does not matter if you are pro-choice, if you are pro-life, where you are on, you know, charter schools. I mean, you will, if you have conservative values and one of your ideologies is not quite in line with what the current administration believes, you will still get support from, from that organization. And I think that until we get to a place like that where we can just support all women regardless of ideology in their careers, in their desires to stay home, we're, we're going to continue to fight a little bit of this battle. I mean, and times are seriously changing. I mean, it is just different. And I don't know how much of that has to do with Time's Up and Me Too, but just the way I'm treated at conferences and events now, as opposed to two years ago. I even have a friend of mine that uh, is a member of a golf course, and they had a big, big golf tournament over the weekend, and uh, a bunch of different people come in, and and there are some young women that uh, work there, and every year, like, they sort of make a, a an over-under bet on how many inappropriate comments that they get. And one of the women said that, you know, she guessed it was going to be five. And then when they chatted after the tournament, the number was zero. And she's like, it was really weird. She's like, well, maybe the next day when everybody's drinking more, it'll be different. So she's like, I'll put it at like one and a half. And again, it was zero. Mm -hmm. And there was only one comment made, a guy had had a little bit to drink, um, to another girl that was there, young girl, she was very young. Um, and one of the guys that was with him called him out, yelled at him and got him out of there. Yeah. So, so it's different, I, right? Like, like, I, like actually stood up for the woman and said, like, you can't in, talk to her like yeah. that. Get out. Different. I mean, it's, I think, I'm just saying I think that it's changing I think about, for women. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think when I, when I've been going sort of back and forth about what, what, where are my priorities, where am I like just general macro high level priorities are and what can i celebrate and what's too too significant for me to swallow i mean i am i am distinctly pro choice my first job out of college was planned parenthood it is at the sort of center of my value of letting women and doctors make decisions that are right for them and keep you know keeping legislation out of that all that kind of stuff and so i think i will admittedly flip flop back and forth between the sort of general advancement of women or people that I think that are advancing the right ideological things, right? Men don't men don't say like to other men who they don't agree with, you know what, I'm not even going to disagree with you because good for you, I didn't think you could get that job. So there is this intrinsic <laughs> difference, gender difference. Like women are still like proud, oh shit, you got a vagina and you got that job? That's fucking amazing. Like men don't have to do that, right? Because the default is that they get the job. So I think that there will be sort of a stair-stepped situation into being surprised that a gender, like a woman got a job versus me thinking that is the right person for the job. But I did want to point out, you know, I have to be able to admit when I'm being, um, being contrary for no fucking reason. And I feel like last <laughs> week I was doing that a lot. Um, so I do want to say, why like, I love you. Yeah. Bitches from the other side, you conservative bitches, you, I, if you got a vagina, I like you more than your penis partner, but I'm not always going to agree with your ideological, Did ideological. You call it a vagina. Well, that's what my, that's what my kids call it. They, they early on, they couldn't tell the difference between a P and a V. So in my house, it's a vagina, not a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> we have vaginas and penises. Wow. That is, <laughs> but I, that is but I awesome. do think that there is this, I want to be celebratory of women um, but I'm not going to sort of hide 
my I'm not going to hide my light under a barrel or whatever they say, you know, I'm still rowdy progressive. Um, but I, you know, let's be, let's be thoughtful about what fem, if we're going to use the word feminism, let's use it in the right way. You know, if we can talk about progressive values, but that shouldn't be lumped into feminism. Feminism is a single thing, which is women should be valued, appreciated, and have the same opportunities men, regardless of where they are on the ideological spectrum. I love That's it. I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Now yeah. we got to take a break. Let's take a break. That was so fun. So we are back with the button. And for those of you that listen to our show that don't know what the button is, every week we put sexism into the Google field and we hit the news button, see what comes up. The button, the button, the sexism button. So this week's button, it's, it's a little bit like... Um, past tense because, uh, because this guy, um, Stephen Moore, who was up for, um, the head of the federal reserve board took himself out of contention, but I still wanted to keep it in there because it rubbed me straight the wrong way. Um, (laughs) and not in a good way. Um, so Stephen Moore was, um, a senior advisor on president Trump's campaign and, and came from the business community and certainly has, I, I think, a, a base of information and knowledge that was, um, was useful for the, for the United States federal reserve. But, but he has, he has had a, a past and he has a reputation of perhaps not being the most thoughtful about different audiences. Um, so, so there was a CNN report um, that that he wrote. Stephen Moore wrote a column in the National Review magazine, which is a conservative publication, um, disparaging women and female athletes, including calling a calling for a ban on women refereeing or even selling concessions at sporting events um, because he didn't think that women have any place in the athletic space of the United States of America, which. I mean, I guess it was a column for National Review, so perhaps it wasn't um, as academic or black and white. But so I do think that if you have had um, a controversial, if you have a controversial paper trail, then perhaps you don't get to be the head of a like basically something that is in charge of the economic success of the country. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I think that those articles were written as satire. And I think he was trying to make a mockery of all of those things. Like he was like making a joke that there shouldn't be any women referees. Like, I think he was actually making the point that there should be. And I don't know. I, I, I don't live in Stephen Moore's head. And so I don't know what his intent was, but it seems odd to me that he would have written anything like that and actually meant it. Oh, well, I think it's, Oh, I thought you meant just wrote it because there's proof of that. No, no, no. I no. He, but I'm saying uh, I don't think it was serious. Like I think it was meant to be a joke, and albeit clearly, it doesn't. It does not come across as a very funny joke now. But I think <laughs> he was trying to make the point that women can do all those things. That's was the ridiculousness of what he wrote. You know, well, and then he said something crazy about how his wife voted for a Democrat and like saying that women are so malleable. No wonder there's a gender gap. Like, 
he like maybe he i think isn't there like a isn't there a shred of truth to every joke not like if you're people, trying to do satire i mean when you i mean i feel like satire I mean, is I, the most the most common form of comedy that has elements of truth in it i mean satire is supposed to be a comic right, think version about, of somebody's think about like, the prayer but think about the prayer oh, thing where like they were making the, all that oh yeah that was all true i mean I think that that author would be like, yeah, that's absolutely how, what I actually believe that women are not being, Oh, you mean the very end when she's like, please Lord, let not let me, don't let me support women. Right. Like, I mean, there was clear, I mean, and you're right. It was obvious that it was satire at that, at her article, but I think yeah, like there's no truth in that statement that she said. Right. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, he pulled his nomination it's old. He news. said he didn't want to be a liability. Yeah, it's old news. It was just like for me, it was like a moment when I put sexism into the Google field and hit the news button. I was like, oh, my God, is this still really happening? Like, haven't they learned their fucking lesson yet? <laughs> well, but it happened a long time ago. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that they don't recognize yeah. that. Sorry. Game the fuck over. Right. Well, um, I, all right. nobody seems to recognize he's, he's anything no anymore. Cool. Well, you know who does recognize things? Awesome husbands. So this was oh, an awesome article. I decided like, um, I decided we maybe could start a new thing on Dame It All to Hell, which is like identifying awesome male allies. Because we've talked a lot on the show about how important it is, or I, Kelly, have talked a lot about how important it is to have men on your side. I know Tracy thinks women can do run the world just with women. But um, there was a really cool article on Huffington Post women about this is obviously specifically highlighted Democratic women and their husbands. And maybe we can do a little research because I'm sure similarly it's on the other side. Like I think Sarah Palin's husband was actually really, really supportive during her time running for vice president and took care of the kids and stuff. But Tracy and I both have the in, immense sort of honor and benefit of having really strong spouses who unicorns, yeah, who are in fact completely unthreatened or um, angry about our outspoken presence and or success. So it feels it feels awesome to us. But I I know from personal experience that not not all women have that. Um, so there was this very cool article specifically about. Uh, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez. So there's a new. Have you heard about this, Trace? The new documentary on Netflix about her. I have not. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. But it's like super buzzy on my side of the aisle. Like everybody, basically, and I'm like a rowdy progressive feminist. So people have been like emailing me. Have you, have you seen it? Yes. Have you seen it yet? And I have not watched it yet. But um, during the campaign, Netflix was making a documentary, which one of the people it highlighted was AOC. And it just happens now to be put out and it has like a, a brighter spotlight just because she is who she is and she won in the way she did. But basically for the first time since she won, like voters and viewers and Americans get a chance to meet her boyfriend, um, who apparently has a good career of his own, um, but that he is sort of without intention or orchestration is highlighted in the film as just really, really supportive, like um, both domestic things like picking up the house and doing dishes and cooking, but also making phone calls and knocking doors, just like good old fashioned support, you know, which we, Tracy and I experience all the time, but, um, but I guess is refreshing that the reviews are that it's quite refreshing. Um, well, and I, 
I suspect, well, I mean, she's not married and she does not have children yet. Or if she even wants them, I don't know. But I would not be able to do the things that I have done in my career if my husband was not 100% supportive and picked up probably 65% of the workload in our house. Yeah. So Me too. Me too. I mean, my husband does far more than I do. Right. So (laughs) I do think, so this article that probably drove Tracy nuts, um, the, the sort of bottom line of it was that basically if you have a, if you have a marriage, a heterosexual or homosexual marriage where there are children and obligations, that it's very hard to pursue, pursue two incredibly challenging careers without somebody, you know, quote unquote, sacrificing, you know, and that sacrifice not may not be economically, but it's by, but time or desire or whatever. And and there's like a whole bunch of shit in that article that we've talked about on the show a million times that I, I left out. But I thought that the interesting part um, was about this study about millennial men and women. So it was a study in 2015 that found that both millennial men and women tend to have egalitarian views about gender roles, regardless of education level or income, when they're going into a marriage, right? So they're like, it doesn't matter. We're going to do this equal, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, so that's sort of the basis where there's no expectation that one partner or the other partner is going to sacrifice, but that the industry at large, and it didn't specify what kind of industry, but because what I just said, that pursuing a big career is time consuming and sometimes has impossible expectations that a partnership like that often has to make, somebody has to make a sacrifice, that that reality is still a reality, but that when people the the sort of millennial generation or what the younger generation they go into these marriages without that expectation so that feels like the beginning of change to me i don't know yeah and i think it's okay i mean i think it is okay if you are in a marriage and some things fall into traditional roles because that's what works right like i make all the doctor's appointments all the dentist mm-hmm. appointments all those things because my husband does not want to call and talk to anyone on the phone. <laughs> it's more a personality he, thing. <laughs> right. Like he just, he if if he could go online and set up an appointment online and hit send, he'd happily do it. But he doesn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> right. So I make all of those pretty, I mean, I sew all of Addison's dance competition, like dance, dance stuff if it needs to be altered. But I say that. And then I was in Mexico last week and he actually took her to an alterations person and had them deal with it because he didn't have a choice. He had to. Yeah. But traditionally, like I would do that. Like I will do her hair and makeup for dance competitions. He does not traditionally do that, partly because he's also not allowed in the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there are certain things that I think it's it's perfectly fine for me to do the dishes, and it's perfectly fine for him to do the dishes. Sometimes I do the dishes. Sometimes he does the dishes. Like right, I think but it's I, okay. I, so I think. To have- to have traditional gender roles if both people are happy about it. Right. But I think that the, what you've just described is things still have to get done and people still have to get them done. And if, and if there is some, um, if that sort of parlays into professional expectation, then there will always like marriage will, especially marriage where there are kids involved will always be a push and pull but as long as the partners in the marriage, like you and I have, Trace, are beneficial to the goals of both the husband and the wife, regardless of their gender, then that begins to be the change. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, which I think is cool. 
for sure. And, and, and everyone who listens to this knows that that's something that I, that I spend a lot of time thinking about. So the other interesting thing in this article was a New York Times columnist wrote, quote, women don't step back from work because they have rich husbands. They have rich husbands because they step back from work. So, and I think you could actually swap out husband and wife there, but it's more sort of representational that one, one career can really take off if you have, if there are no restrictions to time and accessibility. Now you can sort of forge your own path, which I think you've done, Tracy Dates. You can find something you're very, very good at. You can build a network of people that trust you. You can make yourself invaluable and also create boundaries of time and accessibility to put your family as important as your job. But I would say it took you into your second decade of work to create those boundaries. Yeah. I don't want to throw a damper into this super positive the, the like super no, no, positive no. episode. But, um, but I mean, also, I mean, I think there has also been pressure for men to be the breadwinners in the family also. Pressure from whom? Just like culturally? Yeah. I mean, men went out and hunted and gathered, right? Like that was, so there has been a ton of pressure for, for men to be more successful. And I think that that is changing because right. women are becoming more and more successful over time. Anyway. So I, just, I think, no, I don't think it's a damper. I think it's a valid point. I think that reducing pressure, gen, gender specific pressures. So for men, it's make a whole bunch of money. And for women, it's, you know, have the babies and make sure that Dick that ran for Senate in Missouri also said, my wife knows that I expect to come home to a home cooked meal every day at 6 PM. Right. So reducing gender specific expectations is, is useful, right. To take that down. Right. So maybe it's, maybe it's everybody just gets to live a fluid life. Maybe it's that the woman has her own desire to go out and make all the money. Maybe the man really wants to be cooking dinner, but whatever it is, it's like starting to to change norms. And I think that's important and that's useful and and that's significant. Yeah. I totally agree. This is such a happy You're doing episode. a lot of agreeing. Maybe I should do every episode from New York City. I don't know. I mean, I I mean you just you're you're making a lot of sense today. <laughs> well, last change week, is good. I mean, last week I was a hundred percent opposite Tracy Deeds. So you know, everything is super swingy. I know. I can't even find anything to like push your buttons on. <laughs> like I just tried with the whole like men or sometimes have to be the breadwinner. That didn't even work. Like she's all positive Kelly. She's like, yeah, that was a thing. It totally was. I know. Oh Every now gosh. and again, you know, there's a need just to love each other. Right. Everybody needs a Absolutely. little love in their life. I wish you were here. I know. Well, next week I'll be there with you, but I think we can That'll just wrap awesome. up this very happy episode. Yeah, it was awesome. So sad you weren't here with me. But keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Dame It All. All right, friends. We'll see you next week, and we'll be in the same place. I'm sure it'll get rowdier then. Uh-huh.